2: Big, big weekend in college football. We've got Alabama at LSU. That is uh, so far, I guess, the game of uh, the year, you would think, certainly in the SEC, if not for national championship considerations. And you got Penn State's at Michigan, the Michigan Wolverines, on a pretty good run here. And then, of course, Florida hosts Mizzou. Mizzou Ra is in Gainesville. Florida State trying to bounce back from that huge embarrassment against Clemson. They go to a tough place to play, North Carolina State. And USF hosting Tulane. And they're trying to rebound, of course, from their only loss at Houston. So we'll talk all things college football today in just a minute with Matt Baker, the college football writer for the Tampa Bay Times. I'm Rick Stroud of the Tampa Bay Times along with producer Steve Versnick. If you're like me, hey, man, you've got to be tired of paying those high electric bills. My last electric bill was well over $300. It's just insane. So if you want to save 90 to 95%, that's right, on your electric bill, please listen to me now. May Electric Solar, that's right, they're a locally owned company. May Electric Solar is the safest solar available. It does not use high voltage like many of the other companies. And May Electric Solar has a 25-year warranty on all equipment and labor. And they use only their employees, no subcontractors ever. May Electric Solar has a full showroom. and You can see their products and they are open weekdays. So stop the insanity of these out-of-control electric bills Start saving 90 to 95% now. Call May Electric Solar at 727 819 2862. And right now, you can also receive a 30% tax credit by changing to solar energy through 2019. Call May Electric Solar at 727 819 2862. Okay, Matt Baker joins us now. And uh, Matt, you went to the largest cocktail party, and it didn't turn out well for Florida, although uh, I'm sure Georgia had a good time. First of all, we talked about, you know, sort of the team that ran the ball very well. I thought Georgia got back to their roots of, of really pounding the ball with Hollerfield and some others. Swift, um, yeah. what, what was the what was the takeaway you thought? Is Florida just not at that level that, that a Georgia is right now?
0: Yeah, I think it's pretty much that simple. I mean, Georgia has recruited at such a high level under Kirby's part. I think they had something like seven uh, five-star signees in this last class, which I'm pretty sure is more than McElwain and Muschamp might have had combined. I mean, they've just recruited at such a high level. Sometimes the game is really easy. When you have more really good dudes, you're probably going to win. And that's what we saw on Saturday. Florida is certainly ahead of schedule from where I thought they would be in the first year under Dan Mullen. But McElwain didn't leave enough in the tank for him. And that's the, the gap that we saw between Florida, which is a upper-middle-class type team, and Georgia, which is a very good, if not great, slash elite team right now.
2: I thought that... Um In that game, at least, the quarterbacks played a big role. Both Georgia was kind of, you know, he was bouncing back from not a great game against LSU. Felipe Franks made one throw that I thought was great to get him back in the game just didn't do enough in the passing game. I mean, was that sort of the difference, you think, in in that football game all
1: all around?
0: I think it was certainly one of the differences. I mean, the key differences, as I'm thinking about it, obviously the the talent gap is number one. Uh, Number two is depth. I mean, the the Gators, particularly the secondary. I mean, when C.J. Henderson uh, hurt his back, they were without Brian Edwards, without Brad Stewart. This was already a secondary that was down, I think, four. Guys from where Mullen would want them to be. Mm-hmm. Then you add in Marco Wilson's injury at the start of the year. So they're down a lot of guys. And yeah. that certainly made things easier for Jake Fromm to just go dink, 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 dink. And that's the way you have it. Yeah. But one of the other big differences, of course, was quarterback. I mean, on, on one side, Jake Fromm, who's one of the more efficient players in the country, has three touchdowns, no picks. On the other side, Felipe Franks had the, uh, you know, the beautiful dart, I think it was to Freddie Swayne, yeah. touchdown. That was a big boy throw. But he also had a pick. He also threw a deep ball that probably should have been picked off first play of the game, he had the flea flicker, wide Jay Jefferson wide open, overthrows it, and then fumbles out the one. So in a game like that where you've got, you know, one team doesn't turn the ball over, the other team makes two very bad mistakes by the quarterback, that kind of shows where it goes.
2: So where do they go from here? I mean, I know they, they're going to play a, a Missouri team who has a really good quarterback and has, to me, been surprising a little bit this year, um, but what's what's ahead for Florida? What do they have to do now to get back on track?
0: Um, Well, I mean, the good thing for Florida is their schedule lightens up. They've played their big boys. Mizzou is a a solid team, but they're not world beaters. Um, South Carolina after that. South Carolina, I think, might be a little bit underachieving as a whole this year. I don't know that Jake Bentley at quarterback has taken kind of the next step. Then Idaho and then Florida State at at the end. So um, where where they go from here is they try and lick their wounds from this and move on quickly. Um, But they still do. Well, coach cliche. They have a lot to play for, but sure. they really do.
2: I mean, they're going to get a good bowl game out of this. Absolutely, there, yeah.
0: there's a, a certainly a good, maybe very good chance they finish. They finish ten and two. Yeah. Um, right now, they are very much in the New Year's Six Bowl possibilities, Peach Bowl, Fiesta Bowl, and again, that's a program that hasn't done it. Here in the last couple of years so for them to go where they started the year and have a chance at playing one projection i saw would have uh, ohio state in the peach bowl which would that'd be, wow that'd be pretty interesting good. so for for them to be in that situation uh, is key and then one other thing i'm kind of keeping an eye on this saturday and, and beyond is just obviously the long-term stuff you know the guys who are going to be returning and the biggest one is emory jones at quarterback right um felipe franks He's, I think in, in, in his career against teams that are currently ranked or finished last year ranked, four touchdowns, five interceptions, 53% uh, uh, completions, that, that's not going to cut it. So I don't know that he's the long-term answer at quarterback. I, Gators fans have been saying that for years. Mm-hmm. Um, so I'm curious to see how they use Emory Jones. You know, his, uh, He's a true freshman, early enrollee, blue-chip guy. Uh, played two series against Charleston Southern, whoop de mm-hmm. Five plays against Georgia, three of them look pretty nice. He had a nice incompletion and then had a fumble that could have been disastrous at the end of the second quarter. So I'm curious to see how they use him. Mullen said they'll probably use him in at least two more games this year. So he's kind of the guy I'm watching going forward to see what he has picked up on and what his future might be with the program. And
2: what is the limit that they can redshirt him at this point? Because he's coming up on it, right?
0: Yeah, so uh, the new redshirt rule says you can play a guy up to four games um, and still preserve that redshirt. Obviously he played Charleston Southern, he played Georgia. So he has two more. Um, Mullen said they'll play him at least two, so that also means they could potentially burn the Redsford if they
2: wanted. Okay, on the other hand, uh, Florida State, historically awful performance against Clemson. We knew Clemson was going to probably have their way with them, and the weird thing about that game was, maybe not so weird, it it was basically scoreless after a quarter. I mean, like, you know, all of a sudden you're thinking, well, maybe they can play with them. Could not play with them, but more than that, it got embarrassing, and if you're a Florida State fan they have sunk now at least on the field the disparity between clemson and florida state which is what you want to aspire to be just looks like a it looks like a gulf of mexico now <laughs> i mean
0: it absolutely does but at the same time this is weird to say florida state's had a, a lot of these type of games over the last couple of years they go you know go back to boss at boston college last year that was a big thumping, 63-20 at louisville and 16 um you know the, the Peach Bowl wasn't this embarrassing and then the loss to Houston, but it wasn't good either. And then you know go back fifty nine twenty into the Mariota is in the, the Rose Bowl. So FSU has been known to get thumped really badly before. But this one feels feels different. I mean, you, you mentioned it was close in the first quarter, and that's when kind of your coaching adjustments uh, take, take place, take place or lack thereof. Um, there there were questions about Willie Taggart's ability as a play caller beforehand and his kind of X's and O's, and those things are only intensifying. I mean. I don't know what else there is to say about the Clemson game, because it was a debacle, period, end of story, and some of the guys quit. Mm -hmm. Where I'm looking at, where FSU going forward, okay, so this week they they are at NC State. NC State over the years has been very, very tough uh, for the Knowles in Raleigh, and right now they're a top 25 caliber team. Um, Then you've got, uh, at Notre Dame, which is a top five team, then you've got Boston College, which is now a top 25 team, and with A.J. Dillon and the running back healthy, they're kind of rolling. And then home against Florida, which is a top 10 top or a top 15 level team. They need to win two of those to make a bowl.
2: I don't see I, one. There might not be a win, I was going to say. There might not be a win in there.
0: So that, that's, again, we, we, we've we said this before, but considering that they had to schedule Louisiana and Monroe last year just to make a bowl and keep that streak alive to 36, I don't know who they could reschedule this year. I mean, I don't know if Bethune is, is available uh In December or what, but they're not in a a good place and I don't know where they're going going
2: forward. The guy I feel so sorry for because he's taken an absolute beating and it may affect his career is DeAndre Francois. Yeah. He's been as courageous as you can be but it just gets to a point where you're like man, can you at least keep this guy From just taking that kind of pounding that nobody should get hit that many times
0: well again it was that was the way it was in 2016 i remember at the the start of uh uh, before the 2017 season being in charlotte for the acc kickoff and the story i wrote from there was on goodness gracious deandre francois took a beating last year but things are going to be different now, maybe they would have been had he not uh, you know, hurt, uh, hurt his knee in the opener against Bama, but certainly now that he's the, the starter again, he's just taken a, a beating. Um, he's officially kind of the day-to-day probable, questionable for this week against NC State, and it honestly, might not be the worst thing for the program if he were to not play. Um, I, I think he's been giving the ball a little bit too much on some of the zone reads, not necessarily making the right reads. So uh, defenses have been able to kind of key on that, where they're going to go more to stop the running back because they don't trust the quarterback He's to run. run it, yeah. Yeah, James Blackman, I don't know how different that's going to be. He he did throw the only touchdown uh, the other day, but again, that was with Clemson's like fifth-strings, second-team scout guys, so I don't know how much you make of that. But it, I don't think it would be the worst thing if James uh, Blackman played, just to see, again, what do they have for, for next year and beyond?
2: USF went to Houston and predictably, uh, although it was a terrific game if you like high-scoring games, and they were in it up until, right? Yep. Um, but Houston finally got them, and I think it exposed sort of what we knew about USF, which is defensively, they're, they're just sieves. They can't really stop anyone.
0: Correct. We, I mean, we saw that really go back to the, the, the Elon game. They were getting, yeah. up, getting gashed a little bit by, by the, um, that 1AA opponent. They're timed against Georgia Tech and, and so on and so forth here's the bad news, like, Tulane's not a particularly great team. They might not even be very good. Mm-hmm. They can run the ball. I yeah. mean, Willie Fritz is kind of a a, a weird blend of the, the triple option with some, some spread stuff in there. I don't know that I trust the USF defense to stop them uh, here against Tulane, and then like, we know they've got some big games coming up uh, with, with Cincinnati, obviously the big one, at, at the end of the year against UCF, so... They've got some major holes to fix defensively. Um, Otherwise, a season that started with such promise could could tumble down the drain.
2: And, I mean, they had a transfer quarterback, obviously, in Barnett. But, like, is it time now that that Willie should, at some point in the near future, start looking to see who his quarterback's going to be? Or do you just ride it out with this fifth-year senior.
0: Uh, it, it depends on how the rest of the games go, because right now, obviously, they're coming off a, a rough loss, but they are still in position to, to win their division in the they, AAC. That's right. If they win out, then it's them. That's and right. I don't necessarily think that they will, but that's certainly... Uh, it's on within, the table. Yeah, it's within their realm of possibility. So right now, they got to go with the, best, the guy who's got the best chance to win, and that, that's certainly Blake Barnett. But if things shift down the line, then maybe they do need to start thinking about uh, 2019.
2: You may have written about this, we'll wrap up Miami as the as the other team. Boy, what a bad week for Florida football, by the way. Goodness crazy. Not like the Buccaneers helped them out on Sunday either, but Or the Jags or the Or Dolphins. the Dolphins. It was if you're a fan of, of football in Florida, you just had a, a sucky weekend. But that said, is Mark Richt in trouble at all down in Miami? <laughs>
0: There's, there's a section of the fan base that wants him gone. I was just trading emails with a guy from Nebraska, big UM fan, who, who thinks he should be gone. That is ridiculous. Yeah. Um, look at what he, he's done. You know, Miami, uh, their last 10-win season before he won 10 last year was in 2000. Yeah. Um, it had been, I think, a decade before since they had won a bowl game before he won the, it was the Russell Athletic Bowl against West Virginia at the end of 16. It, people have been making the comparison to Jim McElwain. Because Mac, obviously, won division titles his first two years, was proven that it wasn't going to be him long term, and was gone in year three. It's not the same thing, you know. McElwain, ten of his eleven starters on defense that first year got drafted, and the eleventh one, Brian Cox, is playing for the Panthers. <laughs> um, Rick had some talent, but it was nowhere near that. And the right. program was in such shambles. Rick has been doing things uh, kind of off the field as well. He had a number eight recruiting class in the country last year. The 2020 class had like nine blue chip commits already. He was instrumental in getting the new, I think it was $34 million football complex. So he's doing everything right. It's not necessarily showing up on the field. Now, eventually, it's going to have to. Mm-hmm. Um, I don't know what their answer is. At quarterback, Malik Rozier, is limited, It's a nice thing to say. Mm-hmm. I don't know if Nikosi Perry is going to be the guy going forward. Maybe um, Weldon out of uh, Jefferson High. Maybe uh, somebody else. Who knows? They've got some issues they need to address. But for him, the idea of him on the hot seat, again, this is a disappointing year. If it weren't for, for the Knowles, they would be the dis- most disappointing team in the state by far. But they still have a chance to win nine games, eight games, go to a decent bowl. Hot seat is is, is ridiculous.
2: And to your point about Mack he seemed like an outsider from the beginning. Absolutely, Mark Rick is Miami. He, he quarterback there for. He
0: quarterback for, for Miami. He he uh, spent a good part of his childhood in Boca Raton. He he knows that area. He knows the coaches. They know him. He knows the program. He gets along well with everybody. Those are all the little things that matter that don't show up on Saturdays. And again. What has to happen on Saturdays? That has to get fixed sooner rather than later. Mm-hmm. But one rough year is not going to do it, and it
2: shouldn't. Let's talk about the the game of the year uh, so far in college football, which will be uh, Saturday when Alabama plays LSU. LSU, I think you know Florida got them, but they bounced right back and got a big win over Georgia. They look like the real deal. Um, how tough of a game will this be for Alabama really? I mean, is is this will this be their toughest test until they maybe get to I don't know, I don't even know that they're gonna be more challenged in an SEC title game. That's, this could be their biggest game.
0: This'll be their toughest game until they make the, the, the semifinals, and then depending even on the matchup could be to
1: hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place.
0: LSU, you know, Bama's offense is, is otherworldly right yeah. now with, with Tua. He's playing at just a historic level. I, uh, every week in Saturday's paper, I try and come up with a different Tua's ridiculous stat, and it, it, it just it keep coming. It, yeah. um, but LSU's defense is really, really good. Yeah. I mean, uh, Devin White, at linebacker, who's going to miss the first half because of targeting. He's really, really good. Yeah. Greedy Williams is a top-ten pick at cornerback. Um, I think his name's Pelfitt. The, the, the safety is maybe playing at the highest level of any defensive player in the country. So they're going to challenge him. What's going to be interesting is whether LSU's offense can get anything going. Yeah. Now, Bam, This is not a great Nick Saban defense they're in the realm of pretty good, but this is not, you know, like some of the ones we've seen in the past where they're just crawling with creatures. Mm-hmm. Um so they are vulnerable is what I'm saying on defense. Right. But I don't know if LSU has the talent there on that side of the ball to to push them and and Bama's offense again, they are playing at such a ridiculous level. I don't even know if LSU, which might be the best defense in the country, I don't know if they can
2: top them. Right. Um it, it it does I mean it does come down to the quarterback in all these big games and you mentioned how good Tua is, but I would think LSU will try to just out physical I mean, they're a very physical football team. They'll try to run the ball downhill, play that great defense like you talked about, and somehow they have to drag Alabama in an ugly game, right? I mean
0: Yeah, that's what it's gonna have to be and it it might be a situation too where they need a scoop and score or a pick six sure, sure. or a kick return or something like that. Big break. Yeah, to to get some breaks to have a chance but it's in Death Valley too that's another reason why that's this is, helpful yeah which is one of their toughest tests so far because uh, you know when, when assuming they win and play in Atlanta for the SEC title that'll be a neutral site Death Valley at night oh boy yeah that's, that's like, different now <laughs>
2: you know what they don't drink beer there no. Well, all you do is kick bourbon bottles in the parking lot after <laughs> the games. I've never seen anything like it. It's just it's brown liquor. I don't remember
0: uh, the alcohol specifically. All I remember, I remember is how stepping on the bottles. loud it was. Yeah, like, it's my one-night game in Death Valley. Yeah, Actually, crazy. don't tell anyone, but I told my boss I wasn't leaving. I was going to find a job covering in LLT because it
2: <laughs> was that awesome. Yeah, that, it is, it is quite, a, quite a scene at night. It's different up there. Um, other big games, I mean, uh, Michigan now has put themselves in a great position. No, no worries. Hey. Michigan has put themselves in a great position now in the Big Ten. Um, it, you know, They have some tough games ahead of them, starting this week, I guess, with Penn State, which you can't figure out Penn State. I think they're better than the record. We saw some of the debacle coaching decisions that have been made there. Sure. And yet, this Michigan team seems much different than the one that lost – to Notre Dame in the beginning of the year
0: yeah they've just when we go back and do the autopsy on the season that game is going to be really interesting because we still don't know entirely what Notre Dame is um if they played tomorrow at Land O'Lakes high school I think I might pick Michigan to win um but the fact is that game happened in Notre Dame and the Irish won so Michigan has has really found another gear um I, I think they'll win nicely against Penn State and Obviously, we'll see what happens with Ohio State on the other side of that, too, um, heading into a potential, you know, uh, almost a, a play-in game for the playoff.
2: Yeah, what What do you think is happening at Ohio State? I mean, actually, Purdue is pretty darn good, as it turns out, yep. or, or can be. They were that day. Um, there's some talk, you know, Urban Meyer. I mean, I, I don't know what where that program is, but they've got problems on both sides of the ball.
0: They They do. Um, you know, Dwayne Haskins, a quarterback, has been has passed really, really well. But he's not the running threat that a a uh, Urban Meyer and, and Dan Mullen his is uh, protege is. He's not that kind of quarterback. Right. And, and if they're doing a lot of zone read stuff, which they are, and the quarterback's not a running threat, I mean, again, look uh, with with Dobbins and um, uh, Weber, Ohio State has a really good backfield, but they're not running the ball effectively. And I think that's a scheme right. thing. So I'm really curious to see what they how they adjust going forward and then on defense they they don't have enough guys who can tackle I mean you look at just the way their secondary has like all been like first and second round picks over the last couple years eventually that catches up to you and it's catching up now where they don't have the safeties and and the linebackers too who can um, who can get a guy down in in open space and that's resulting in big plays and no that was costly against Purdue and for all we know it could be costly against Michigan or whoever else
2: what are the other big games that you'll be, you'll be paying attention to this weekend?
0: Yeah, um, one of the ones I'm most interested in is West Virginia uh, against Texas. Will Greer. Will Greer, the, the former Gator. He's shown, you know, he, they, they had the, the one loss early, but then, um, you know, last week on the thing that's the Thursday night, he just kicked the crap out of Baylor. Those guys, I think, are for real. Um, I had a stat in today's Tampa Bay Times about how there's been, every year in the college football playoff, there's been one team that started 12th or worse, that made a run either to get to the playoff or was the first team out. West Virginia started 13. They might be that team. They, yeah, and we'll find out against Texas, and then they've got Oklahoma later. Right. Georgia, Kentucky, winner gets the SEC East. Yeah. I, I assume Georgia's going to win that, but Kentucky is for real. Like, yeah. I know they barely beat Mizzou. They just make the plays when it counts. They're very good on defense. Benny Snell, one of the best stories in the country there for real. Um, one other one I'm keeping an eye on. Uh, Northwestern, my alma mater, against my dad's alma mater, Notre Dame. Notre Dame has played, you know, they they were shaky against Pitt, but they still have a lot of talent. I feel like they might have a loss in them, and Northwestern is the the stupidest team in the country. They've won, I think, 12 of their last 13 Big Ten games. You know, they just beat Wisconsin, Uh, they beat Michigan State, hung with, with Michigan, but then they almost lost to Rutgers. They almost lost to Nebraska, and they did lose to Akron. So I have no idea what to make of the Wildcats. Um, Clayton Thorson, an NFL prospect at quarterback, they they have some players. Pat Fitzgerald typically knows what he's doing. I don't know if he's going to be able to outscheme Brian Kelly, but. It's certainly a game worth uh, paying attention to on Saturday.
2: But they are in control of that side of the Big Ten, though.
0: They absolutely are. Uh, imagine Northwestern playing for a Big Ten title against Ohio State or Michigan. Unbelievable. And trying to knock off Harbaugh or Meyer and knock those guys out of
2: the playoffs. Unbelievable. Yeah, it's it's been exciting. What did you make of, okay, so the first uh, college... Football or national championship poll, I guess, or whatever they call that yeah. nowadays. They oh, got many names for it. Um, came out. Any surprises? Would you? Did you agree with where those teams were ranked uh, the, initially?
0: Uh, no major surprises. You know, Bama won, Clemson two, duh. Um, they had LSU three, Notre Dame four. I'd flip them. But yeah. I understand that argument. Reasonable people can. Disagree. And one
2: of those teams is going to lose this week. So it, exactly, that'll
0: work itself out. Um, what I what I wrote was that. What we saw, that Final Four is not going to be the Final Four we've seen. Right. Probably two of them are going to make it. Uh, I'd, I'd guess Bama and i guess Clemson, but I don't know. Clemson, you know, lost <laughs> the year they, they won the title here in Tampa, they lost that year to Pitt in November. That's so right. Something weird is going to happen with at least one, probably two of those teams. The other uh, ones that were interesting, Florida at 11, which firmly puts them in the conversation for a New Year's Six Bowl, and yep. we, we touched on that. UCF at 12. Last year at this time, UCF was 8-0, and they
2: were 18th.
0: Now UCF is 7-0, and they're 12th.
2: A little more respect.
0: A little more respect. Uh, some of it's the other teams around are not as as good, so you know everything's relative to the year. But there is some respect there. Is it going to be enough to get an undefeated Knights team in the playoff? Probably not, but maybe there'll be a little bit more in the conversation this year. Who knows?
2: Yeah, it's very interesting. So here, this is a down the road question, but Notre Dame—if you look at their opponents, it's not that they're, it's not for a lack of scheduling good teams. Those teams just aren't any good, right? Yep. Florida State would normally be a good matchup. Uh, USC at, uh, at, Virginia, at Tech. Virginia Tech. Those are games that you would say, "Wow, that's a pretty ambitious schedule." That said, because their opponents aren't so great, do you see? Is there a scenario where a one-loss Big Ten champion, Michigan, let's say? In an undefeated Notre Dame team, somebody has to make a decision between those two.
0: Well, or would they both most there, likely There's get it? There's the trump card there because Notre Dame
2: beat Michigan, right? But and then that's the question: Will, will the will they look at head to head? That's all that matters because I think that's a different Michigan team they beat.
0: It is, but it's a different Notre Dame team too. That's when true. they made the switch from Brandon Wimbush to Ian Book at quarterback, yeah, you know they, they go from struggling against Vanderbilt to to blowing people. Yeah. and putting up a lot more points. So it's, it's different both sides. Michigan's, I think, has made the biggest changes. Um, what'll be interesting is, is if Notre Dame can afford a slip-up. Can they be a one-loss team and get in? Because you're right. Their schedule, look, they don't play a, a one double a team, so they're going to have 12 FBS opponents, but it's not daunting. I mean, Other than Michigan, they might not play another team that finishes ranked, um, they've got Syracuse here in a couple weeks and, and Yankee Stadium, which is going to be a weird potentially really cool game but USC stinks um, Florida State, we've talked about how bad they are mm. and, and uh, at Virginia Tech, Virginia Tech's at least solid, but they're not that good right. Um so, I don't know if they can afford a loss. Maybe they can. Maybe the brand's strong enough. Maybe there's some other things. And, and who the heck knows what's going on elsewhere. Sure. Like, is Ohio State going to win out, or are they going to Sure, sure. Um, you look at, like, Washington State, which is in the playoff picture. I think they were seven or eight. I don't think the, the Cougars are going to go unscathed, but maybe they could. So, mm-hmm. a one-loss Notre Dame would be really, really interesting. But an undefeated Notre Dame, they're yeah, in.
2: Locked shot,
0: yeah. End of story.
2: All right. Matt Baker, you'll be at uh, Florida and Missouri this weekend, and thanks, Matt. Thank you. So, some other college football news: Steve Maryland's uh, coach uh, DJ Durkin, of course, is out there for the Terps, and
1: I well, guess and a shocking uh, P- change of heart there in Maryland. I mean, yesterday yeah, he was I mean, reinstated they, after an investigation.
2: Yeah, I don't know how it got that far. It seemed like there were some some uh, you know preordained uh, findings of this investigation that a lot of these boosters or, or supporters of the program really wanted Jerkin back. And I think the pressure just got ratcheted up too much uh, in that case. And, he, and frankly, from what I read, he should be gone. I mean, it didn't sound like anybody wanted to play for him. And Yeah, I uh, think more
1: than anything, it was the fans and the students that uh, – or the, the, the players and the students, that is, that really wasn't comfortable with him coming back. Right. And, and so if, in that case, how can you keep him at that point? When it you, makes When no you get sense. the blowback so they, from there.
2: Yeah, they finally got the pushback, and they did it, and they pulled the trigger. So now the question becomes: You know, Maryland, pretty good program, um, you know, as far as stature and whatnot. So Pete Thamel of Yahoo Sports floated this one: How about Charlie Strong from USF?
1: Well, look, I mean, when when Charlie Strong was hired at USF, I mean, everyone was assuming this was going to be a pretty short stint here for him. Yeah, that this was about rehabbing his image after Texas. Which I don't think the problems that were going on there were all his fault. But no, you know, not saying he had no blame in it, but the head coach is, you know, going to take the fall at that point. Sure. I think it was a bad fit for him at Texas, period. Look, every every offseason his name's rumored. As long as USF is doing what they're doing, last year, you know, having a successful season, I mean, what, he's 17 and three in two seasons at USF? Mm hmm. So of course you're gonna you're gonna look at him as a candidate. And he's look, he's coached at Louisville, he's coached at Texas, so he's got big time experience. For programs that are in power five conferences. So he should he should be one that, that teams are gonna at least take a look at. And I would think he'd have to seriously consider any pile five Now
2: look, I he's not the youngest guy in the world. I don't know if he's sixty yet or not, but you know, you're not talking about some guy in his forties, but nonetheless, I think I think he will coach after USF at some point.
1: um, Well, look, and and Maryland may be looking for someone with a little more experience that can handle. uh, Yeah, look, this has not been an easy situation for Maryland, you know, since the the player's death there, and this whole season with an interim coach and everything swirling around it. That you may want someone, you know, instead of a young up and coming coach like they hired in DJ Durkin, you may want more of a veteran coach who's had some more experience that can kind of, for lack of a better word, settle things down, and and kind of you know right the ship and get it steady. Right. Uh, you know, after this is, you know, this has been a, a really tough season for the program, for the players, for, you know, everyone associated with Maryland.
2: I think that there'll, there'll come a time when, when Charlie will, will move on. I don't know how soon that will be, but um, I actually think he's done a pretty good job here at South Florida. And Absolutely. You know, again, we'll see what his recruiting uh, nets in a, in a couple of years, because he's kind of in transition between what he inherited and what he's bringing on. So, They've got a, they've got a, a probably a harder I know they're favored a lot by Tulane against Tulane but It's probably going to be a little tougher because Tulane can run the football as Matt mentioned so we'll see uh, see if that defense can straighten itself out. We've got a lot to talk about uh, on tomorrow's podcast of course it'll be a football Friday but we're also going to hear from Jameis Winston first time uh, hearing from him since he's been benched and also of course Ryan Fitzpatrick uh, will do his usual thing as a starting quarterback with the media um, you know tomorrow afternoon. And then um, he's starting at Carolina on Sunday, and then the Tampa Bay Lightning go back in action at Emily Arena. They host uh, the Nashville Predators, so that's a really good uh, game to uh, to sort of kick off uh, the weekend, if you will. And we'll talk about that. The top as well. two teams so, in
1: hockey, the top two point scorers in hockey, or point you know teams with the most points so far.
2: That's right. So really good matchup, early matchup, and uh, one that um, people should be excited about seeing. And Lightning coming off. You know, an eight to three win over the New Jersey Devils, so they're hot right now. And Nashville's and, uh, five uh, and
1: zero on the road.
2: Really? Wow, yeah, that's they're four, good.
1: They're only four and three at home. They're five and zero on the road this season. So
2: that's crazy. Four and three at home and five and zero on the road. Mm-hmm. But to be a good hockey team, you got to win those games on the road. So this will be this will be a really good one. So we have all that to talk about and more. You can reach us anytime you guys want to uh, on Twitter at NFL Stroud. You can reach me there. Um, you can reach us at SportsDayTB at SportsDayTB or my email address is rstroud at Tampavey.com. And remember, make sure you go see my friends at May Electric Solar for all your solar needs. You can save 90 to 95% on your electric bills. Just call May Electric Solar at 727-819-2862, 727-819-2862. I'm Rick Stroud of the Tampa Bay Times for Steve Bursnik. Have a great day, everybody.